everybody. <laughs> oh, it's so good to be here tonight. Um, uh, so just an honor and privilege and uh, to serve in this way, and I'm uh, happy to do it. <laughs> happy to, to bring God's word to us tonight. Um, if, you're a, if you're a youth in the room, in Dan Knight, you've heard <laughs> this, might have heard part of this before. And uh, uh, talk about a, go into a story from the book of Luke about a a, a wee little man. <laughs> now we're gonna look at Zacchaeus, the story of Zacchaeus uh, tonight. Um, it's really what I was, was sensing from the Lord after I spoke last Saturday. Um, I think last Saturday we were talking about. Uh, the bridal paradigm, Jesus the bridegroom, the Lord calling us to enter into the bridegroom fast, calling us back into enter, uh, back into it, and um, and I really only got through part of the notes, probably about half, so I could have gone that way tonight, but I was just sensing to get into this and uh, to get into this uh, story because um, it's going to go one way. We're going to look at <laughs> we're going to look at the story. We're going to dig a little deep and. Uh, and then we're going to shift, because uh, if you know the story of Zacchaeus, he was a man who uh, um, who gazed upon the Lord and, uh, and was transformed. Mm-hmm. And so we want to start with him, but then want to shift to our gaze, to what we're beholding. And if it's appropriate to say, calling us back into um, beholding the beauty of God. Because it's so easy to, to even within a house of prayer, or even if, uh, to, to be distracted or to, to get away from it. And uh, so that's, that's just the kind of the, the layout of where we're going. Um, so let's go to Luke chapter 19. It's verses 1 through 10. I'm look at the first couple of verses. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man uh, called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree in order to see him. For he he was about to pass by through that way. And if you don't know, um, Zacchaeus' uh, name means innocent or righteous one. (laughs) But but this man was a tax collector. (laughs) He was rich. He was anything but innocent or righteous. Um, But so so it was true of us before we knew the Lord, right? (laughs) Um, so being that not only was he a tax collector, he was a, says that he was a chief tax collector. And if you didn't know this, um, Jews who undertook to collect, ta- collect taxes um, were serving uh, the oppressors, the Roman rulers, and they were the most despised people in the Jewish community. Um, not only were they serving the oppressors, but they found it easy to abuse the system so as to get rich off the people. Mm-hmm. So... This man was uh, a social outcast. He was 
and uh, and he was using the people. He got rich off the people, and so he was all that to say he was absolutely a despised man in the Jewish community. So we know as the story goes, Jesus is entering Jericho, and Zacchaeus, something happens, right, to cause a distinguished man, rich man, to basically um, become like a little boy, <laughs> run ahead of the crowd, and to climb a tree. And it was kind of funny when the Lord put this on my heart, um, to preach it this summer, uh, to teach this this summer to the youth, like it was like a little, a few weeks after I taught it, I met one of Danny's friends, Aiden, who is a tree climber. <laughs> and it was so fun. I actually have a picture of him while still on my phone up in one of the trees. And uh, I just felt like God was just, it was just like a kiss from God every time I do that. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, God, you really want me to teach this one? So just to, just to see Aiden up in the tree several times uh, throughout the summer was, was really cool. felt like God was saying, uh, just giving me a kiss from heaven through that. Um, so I didn't know this prior to studying the story, but um, just to have some commentary notes before me. I wish, sorry, I don't have the notes for you guys. But uh, in the East, I learned it was unusual for a grown man and a man of his uh, wealthy government official to even run, not only climb up a tree, but to run. Mm -hmm. So for him to be like, of course, you know, he was overcoming his physical limitations um, to see Jesus, to behold him, to see this man. But, uh, but he was like, <laughs> he, he didn't settle. He didn't be like, oh, he's passing by, I couldn't see him. He had to run ahead and then climb and then behold him as he was coming. So here's the notes. It says, in the East, it is unusual for a man to run, especially a wealthy government official. Yet Zacchaeus ran on the street like a little boy following a parade. And he even climbed a tree. Like, if you think about it, who climbs trees, right? <laughs> little boys and little girls. Right? Uh, and then my neighbor to my right of me at the house, me and Nori and the kids live in, and there's a maple tree. And kids, girls, and boys, climb that little maple tree. It's like, <laughs> I know there's a few exceptions out, exceptions out there, um, even grown men who would still climb a tree, but it's mostly kids. And so what we see is he's putting aside his dignity, his dignity to see a man. To see the God man. And as I look at this story and as I have meditated on it and still meditate on it and still like to uh, peer into it through the eyes of faith um, and through, through meditation, I just see though Zacchaeus was rich, yes, he was despised and he was an outcast, but though, though he was rich, I think he was in touch with his spiritual bankruptcy that was going on the inside. Because there's just no way that at least in my opinion, that it was just out of mere curiosity that he wanted, that he ran ahead and climbed a tree to see Jesus. I think, I'm, I believe that perhaps he caught wind of who Jesus could be, might be, or is. And so as I, as I look at the story to see him, it's like, 
this bankrupt soul is like, if this is my opportunity for life change, I have to lay aside my dignity. And something switched, like there was like this other gear that turned inside of him. It's like, I have to run ahead. I have to forget about who I am and my wealth. I have to run ahead to see this man, to gaze upon him, to look upon him. And one of the biggest things that catches my attention in this story is that Zacchaeus's gaze caught the attention of heaven. And then it caught the attention of God through his son. Because if we, if we go further into the story, it's like Jesus comes to that place and knows he's already in the tree. He knows he's already looking at him and says, come down. I must stay at your house today. And what made, one of the other things that amazes me about the story is that right from the beginning in verse one, it's like Jesus was passing through Jericho. In a sense, it's like, at least the way I see it was like, he only stopped for Zacchaeus. I mean, he, if you go into the chapter before, he stopped for blind Bartimaeus as he was entering Jericho. Um, but he stops for Zacchaeus, and, 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 and this is the only place in all the four, uh, four Gospels that he invites himself to someone's home. That Jesus invited himself in. So he's passing through. A broken soul just climbs up a tree, catches the attention of heaven, catches the attention of God on earth through his son, and his life is forever changed. And um, it's just absolutely just, it's a short story, but it's just, there's so much there, and we can't even cover it all, but because, uh, and just one of the, the big themes is just like, the gaze that catches the attention of heaven. Or even the faith that catches the attention of heaven. Because there's other stories in the scripture where the faith that, it's like that faith that moves mountains. That faith that, I don't know how to say it, but just goes, the faith that catches the attention of heaven. It's almost like faith that goes, be, that goes beyond faith. Like you hear, hear Zacharias, it's his gaze caught the attention of heaven. Caught the attention of Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus. His voice caught the attention of Jesus. When people were telling him to be quiet, telling him to be quiet, don't, you know, he's calling out. But no, he's like, this is my opportunity. This is my chance. I can't even see this man. Mm-hmm. But he begins to call upon him, begins to lift his, lift his voice. Because mm-hmm. Zacchaeus, he, he ran above the crowd and went above the crowd to see Jesus. Uh, see Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus lifted his voice above the crowd to catch Jesus' attention. And then uh, there's even another story about the, the woman with the hemorrhage who had to press through the crowd to get a healing, to touch the hem of his garments. And so I just, I, I love these stories that give us encouragement to press on in, in this kind of faith and to be transformed forever. So going into a commentary note from the Bible knowledge commentary says this incident seems ludicrous. Here was Zacchaeus, a wealthy and probably influential man, running ahead of the crowd and climbing a sycamore fig tree to get a chance to see Jesus. Says uh, Luke may have uh, been presenting Zacchaeus' action as a commentary on Jesus' words that unless people become like little children, they cannot enter the kingdom, which he spoke that in the chapter before this, Luke 18. 
Um, and he says, uh, the commentary says, this account is also a commentary on Jesus' words that with God all things are possible. For Zacchaeus was a wealthy person who found salvation. Um, in the chapter before, it's the in Luke's gospel, it's the story of the rich young ruler mm-hmm. who, <laughs> and, uh, and the translation that I have says he was an extremely rich man, but he couldn't give up his wealth to follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that in that story that... Uh, that Jesus asked and said, let go of your wealth and come and follow me. Um, and Jesus didn't ask too many people to come and follow him. And that man, for some reason, that young man, who knows if he ever changed, um, wasn't able to, at least wasn't able to do it at that time. Mm-hmm. But here we get another rich man but who was in touch, I believe, with his, the bankruptcy, his spiritual bankruptcy, that he, he knew he, understood, he was a bankrupt soul. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, gets changed forever through an encounter with Jesus. Not only that, Jesus invites himself over. And uh, um, let's go on to the next set of, set of verses. It says, uh, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, not only does he say Zacchaeus, he says, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him uh, gladly. Uh, when it says that he received them gladly, that's literally rejoicing. Mm. And like I said before, this was the only instance in all the four Gospels that Jesus invited himself over to somebody's home. Um, and uh, this illustrates the words of Revelation 3.20, which I'm sure we're all familiar with that, but let's go ahead and look at that. Real quick, she knows it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and well, hears my voice <laughs> and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. And we know that when Jesus is speaking this, uh, what church is he speaking to? Church of Laodicea, who what? It's kind of interesting. Mm. Thought they were rich. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right? Thought they had everything. It says that because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have needed nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable, miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise you to be, I advise you to buy for me gold refined by fire that you may become rich in white garments that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and I shall to anoint your eyes that you may see those whom I love I reprove and discipline be zealous therefore and repent behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me pretty interesting right There's definitely a, no coincidence that these that there's commonalities between the story of Zacchaeus and Revelation 3:20 and even the Luke chapter 18. So he said, "Hurry and come down. I stay at your house." And he hurried and came down. He didn't, he didn't hesitate. 
and he received him gladly. Going on to the next set of verses, when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Um, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions I am giving to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of everything, I'm giving back four times as much. Jesus said, Salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And I'm going to go into the, bear with me as I look at some commentary notes. Uh, Zacchaeus was not saved because he promised to do good works. He was saved because he responded by faith to Christ's gracious words to him. Mm-hmm. Having trusted the Savior, he then gave evidence of his faith by promising to make restitution to those he had wronged. Mm-hmm. Under the Mosaic law, if a thief voluntarily confessed his crime, he had to restore what he took and add a one-fifth to it and bring a trespass offering to the Lord. If he stole something he could not restore, he had to repay fourfold. And if he was uh, caught with the goods, he had to repay double. Zacchaeus did not quibble over the terms of the law. He offered to pay the highest price because his heart had truly been changed. So uh, Zacchaeus stood up and voluntarily announced that he would give half of what he owned to the poor and repaid fourfold of all he had wronged. He publicly wanted the people to know that his time with Jesus had changed his life. Interestingly, he parted with much of his wealth, similar to what Jesus had asked the rich young ruler to do. It's in in the chapter before Luke 18. Uh, Last set of commentary notes. uh, Zacchaeus, fully repentant, not only acknowledged the heartlessness and cruelty of his behavior, but voluntarily imposed upon himself the whole restitution required by the Torah for such acts. Mm-hmm. So I know I kind of already jumped ahead, <laughs> got excited when I was speaking, but I was just... Uh, so if you just look at that, looking at that story, how one man's gaze changed everything for him. How one man's beholding of the Lord changed everything. That's where I want to just turn our attention to our gaze, mm-hmm. to, to our beholding. Because you have to, you have to like kind of wonder, like, what was Zacchaeus? What was he? What was he want? What did he need to see as Jesus was walking by? What he he wanted to look at him. He wanted to look at the man. He wanted to see him. He wanted to behold him. And it wasn't because of any kind of physical attractiveness. Like he wanted to behold the son. Behold, if it was possible, if it was him, there was hope. Mm-hmm. And I want to take our attention 
to Psalms 27.4. And our beholding, and our gazing, One thing I've asked from the Lord, that which I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. And uh, throughout the summer, we had a, was it six weeks? I think so, yeah. Six weeks. Teen, young adult intensive, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then after that we had Cheryl Allen and, and Corey come down, and one of the one of the things that God was highlighting during that teen intensive was actually the same thing. I don't know if you recognize it, but one of the things, same things that Cheryl Cheryl Allen came and spoke at our anniversary, mm-hmm. and that was being a person of one thing. Beholding the beauty of the Lord, sitting at his feet like Mary. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that the, the Lord was highlighting during the six-week thing. It was just kind of interesting. It wasn't even the topic of every, um, the topic that we spoke on um, every Friday. But just, there was just this overarching thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's just, <laughs> that's awesome, Lord. Let's uh, enter into it the best we can, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when God speaks something, you, you, you do your best to enter in. And... Uh, and then I, and I love it how God will bring it back. If you've lost it or if you get away from it, he'll bring it back. And so then I just thought it was interesting when Cheryl Allen came and spoke that uh, she brought that same thing back. I was like, whoa. I'm like, wow, the Lord was like, was speaking to this like a month before. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, for some reason, and this is for all, all of us, it's for all believers, but there's just, I feel like there's just something for it for those of us in the, in the in the house of prayer that we can we can get away from this mm-hmm. even in our our praying in our in our fasting and our doing in our just doing things from the lord mm-hmm. and i i just want to just declare that like it's our delightful duty mm-hmm. um to gaze upon to behold his beauty mm-hmm. to gaze upon him like zacchaeus did To peer at him, to look at him, and how do we do it? Because Zacchaeus saw him in the natural, right? Zacchaeus saw him in the flesh. Zacchaeus had him over at his house. They had lunch or dinner or something. You know, they had that communion. They had that fellowship. It's like, what was that like? I mean, that's <laughs> he got to host the Lord for, for an afternoon or for an evening as he was on his way to the cross. Um And so how do we do it? How do we as believers do this? How do we enter into this? We enter into it through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of meditation, through the eyes of perceiving. Because um, we too, like we want to be, we want to, we, sorry. We want to behold be those who behold like Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. And, and it's our delightful duty to do it. 
As in Psalms 26, this is a commentary on Psalms 27. As in Psalms 26, the psalmist seeks God's presence. It's the one thing most treasured in his life. And he prays with it with singleness of purpose. To behold means to gaze at, to mentally perceive, to contemplate with pleasure. Can I say that again? To contemplate with pleasure. Um, the beauty that we're talking about isn't physical beauty, but it's talking about God's character. It's talking about God's nature, God's person, who he is. The word beauty in verse 4 means not only the glory of God's character, but also the richness of God, of his goodness and favor to his people. So David took time to meditate and to contemplate on the wonders of God's grace. And obviously, we know that David was a king. David was a husband to several wives. <laughs> David was a father to several children. Um, he was responsible to, in, in fighting wars and fighting battles as a king. All that to say is we know he was a busy man. Mm -hmm. right? Going back to what Psalm 27 4 says, one thing I desire, one thing I seek. This is what mattered to him most. I know in our lives, we're just, we're, we're a busy people, a busy society, a, we're busy, especially if you live, I think, in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. It's a fast-paced rat race, it's constant things going on, especially if you have kids, busy, 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 all the time. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I'm absolutely staggered by, just uh, being with the teen teenagers this, this last summer, is just how busy teenagers are. I'm just, I'm absolutely blown away with just different things and activities. I, and I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. I'm just like, holy smokes. Mm -hmm. You guys are busy, busy, busy. Mm -hmm. And that's, like I said, I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. But man, <laughs> it's just, uh, and in our busyness and the busyness of our lives and even through all the good things we can do for the Lord, even in the house of prayer, there's just times where we need to pump the brakes and get back to the place of meditation, get back to the place of adoration, adoring, get back to the place of adoring him and, and, uh, and delightful meditation. Like I like how that commentary or the, the description said it, to contemplate with pleasure, to get back to Focusing on him, um, and not out of just this, uh, just oh, I, I have to do this and put it off my spiritual checklist, but as a delightful duty, in mm -hmm. a time of adoration, time of contemplation and meditation, beholding him through the eyes of faith, looking at just the gospels or the different stories, and and just. Uh, imagining it in your own mind and thoughts of what it could have been like or what it was like mm -hmm. when Jesus was walking the earth, what it was like for him in his, in his ministry as he was ministering. Because I mentioned last week, it's like the disciples were with him for three and a half years. Mm -hmm. We so easily read these things and just scoot by, but three and a half years, that's a pretty long time mm -hmm. to be with somebody day in and day out, day in and day out, like on a, on a road trip per se, on a missions trip. 
having conversations, campfires, laughing, one-on-one conversations with him. And so you, we can enter into those things through, through meditation, into the scripture. Then you got, just going to highlight some scriptures uh, to meditate on. We get, you want to, you can meditate on the throne room. We got, you know, Revelation chapter four and five. It's a, it's a fun one to meditate on. And you just enter in through the eyes of faith. What the throne room is like. What the Father looks like on, the, on his throne. What Jesus looked like on his throne beside him. What does it mean that he looks like a jasper stone, a sardius stone? What does it look like? What does that emerald rainbow look like? I always thought it was like a rainbow like this. <laughs> like that goes out like that. But I'm, I was looking at it several months ago, and it probably was a rainbow like this. <laughs> but anyway, it's so fun to think about. What is it like with four living creatures above the throne? You know, day and night, never stopping, saying, holy, holy, holy. What is it like with the, the crystal sea and the, and, the, and the cherubim underneath him? These other kinds of creatures. What is it? Well, the 24 thrones that surround the throne with 24 elders. Right? Who when worship, when worship is released, they're bowing down and they're throwing their crowns. And that's just the first part of it. Then you go in the midst of the throne. John says, I looked and behold, a lamb who was slain who was holding a scroll. It's like other things to meditate on. The cross, his sufferings, beholding him in the beauty of his sufferings. You know, we're coming upon the Christmas season and we get the awesome opportunity to behold him in his, in his birth and his coming. That's one of the things that I love about the Christmas season. It's not the only time to, to meditate on it or to look into it, but it's, it's obviously highlighted just like Easter. We, we, we spend more time as a church focusing on you know, his, his death and resurrection. Same with Christmas. We, spend, we see it in Christmas cards. We see it in people's lawns and decorations. We see the nativity scene. So we get to think about it more and uh, enter into the story in Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel. That's, that's actually really fun and enriching if you've never done it. If you haven't, I encourage you to do it. Even before Christmas comes, even before December comes, start looking at the birth narrative. And then beholding, and then beholding him in the beauty of his return. Beholding him in the beauty as the man on the white horse with garments stained blood. Stained with blood. And uh, if you, yeah, I, I was going to go talk about a song that somebody's put out about four years ago. I guess I will, now that I mentioned it. But it's, and the song is, and I've only, I've never really heard a song like this before. It talk, the, the artist is uh, Jake Hamilton. He talks about how, be how beautiful is the rider on the white horse. Mm -hmm. How beautiful. That's the Jesus coming back with his judgments, with garments stained red. Mm -hmm. uh, Revelation 19, Isaiah 63. 
the one who's coming back for his bride to make everything right, to coming back as the king of kings to rule and reign, to take to his seat of authority in Jerusalem. All this to say, and maybe this is all I was supposed to say, he's worthy of our beholding. He's worthy of our beholding. Through the scriptures, through meditation, through the eyes of faith, through contemplation, with pleasure. Like he, he's, he's worthy of it. And not only that, through that we become transformed. We become transformed. It's the becoming beholding principle. You, you become what you behold. We become what we behold. And one of the things I love about when David talks about beholding the beauty of God, beholding the beauty of his nature and character, his kindness, and the pers his person, is that in the first set of verses, he's talking about being encamped by enemies, enemies surrounding him. And how does he deal with that? I want to go to the house of prayer. I want to go to the house of the Lord. I want to go where God's presence is and behold his beauty. And meditate in his temple. That's not always our answer, right? For the different crises that come to our life. Right? It's not, right? You want to know what my biggest answer is to the crisis that comes to my life? Anxiety. All, you know, seriously. First thing, emotion, anxiety. And then calm down. Breathe. Think right thoughts. <laughs> No, seriously, like, what is, what is it, Philippians 4? Think lovely thoughts, good thoughts. Mm -hmm. All that's, you know, sifting through my thoughts. Well, what if the answer to it all is beholding the beauty of the Lord, of the Lamb who was slain, of the King of Kings? At least part of the answer. Mm -hmm. The other thing that reminded me, that I was reminded of as I was just reading through the scripture is Zacchaeus, he beheld his coming. He ran ahead and he was beheld. I think as people of God, we need to behold his coming. Behold Jesus' second coming. To behold it. To think about it more. To dive into it more. The one who's coming to judge the earth. Again, going back to the, the, the rider on the white horse. Is he, I guess I'm just going to say, like, is he beautiful to us? Is the rider on the white horse beautiful to us? Is the Jesus in red beautiful to us? I'm talking about garment stained red. Garment stained red because he just slaughtered the Antichrist army. Because he just slaughtered, you know what I'm saying? Is, he, is that Jesus beautiful to us? Is he beautiful to us that way? If he's not, he, he should be. And I think we're going to hear more songs about the, 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 the beauty of the uh, rider on the white horse. If you haven't heard that song, look it up on YouTube. Jake Hamilton, um, I think that's what it's called. <laughs> How beautiful is the rider on the white horse? And it was kind of fun because um, I got to pick Corey Russell up from the airport. And I had just recently learned about 
that particular album that Jake Hamilton put out. And, uh, and for me, I'm just going to be honest. And my God is such a God of redemption, and I love God so much just for that simple fact. In every aspect of our lives, he is a God of redemption. Mm-hmm. I don't care where we've been hurt, where we've been wounded, where we've goofed up. God is a God of redemption. And I'm seeing it even just in some of the smallest things in my life, which you might, when I tell the story, you might think, you know, that's not even a big thing. But he's even redemptive in the small things that concern our hearts. And so just to be vulnerable in my history's past, I've actually had awkward moments with Corey Russell. Nobody knows this, probably except for my wife. I'm just being honest. And me and Jim even stayed at his house one trip we went up there. And for me, it was awkward. <laughs> and I'm not going to go into even think why I felt that way. I'm just saying it was, it's, it was awkward for me. And it was, uh, <laughs> and there's been other moments. And so I just knew it. I knew it because I was just like, God, this is going to be redemptive. I just know it. <laughs> When I pick him up in the airport, he's going to be redemptive. And it, and it was. I, it was so cool. And, uh, and just to fast forward for a second, um, we actually we sang together that, that song, mm. How Beautiful is the Rider on the White Horse. Mm. Because Jake Hamilton did a cover of one of uh, Dana Russell's songs. So I'm like, oh, did you know he did this? Yeah. So we listened to that one. And I'm like, have you heard this one? And so then we played it. He just started it's Corey. He just starts singing. So I'm, I'm going to sing with him. I'm going to sing too. So we're singing two guys driving down the road. How beautiful is the rider on the white horse? I love it. And, uh, but when I first picked him up, you know, I was like, put his bag in the car. And then he gets in and he just starts, he starts praying in tongues. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. It's Corey. <laughs> He starts praying in tongues. I'm cool. I'll pray in tongues too. That's what we're doing. There we go. <laughs> and then it would get silent, and they start praying in tongues again. And then there was this moment of as we're driving over like, the San Mateo Bridge, we got there was this awkward, awkward silence. And then, uh, and then uh, I was like, oh, I better say something. So I just I'm, I started getting nervous. So I go, uh, How's the ministry? How's the ministry growing? And that's when I realized that he had earbuds in his ear. <laughs> as he was praying in tongues, as he was, he had earbuds. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, this is getting a little awkward again. <laughs> and then he, then, he finally, then he took him out to ask me about how traffic, well, tra- traffic on the San Mateo Bridge was normal. But then we actually got into, uh, from there, he didn't put him back in. He put him outside. And then we got into a good conversation. And... Um, had a chance to, I was asking her about different things, and, um, um, but then as we were approaching, we're all on 580, and this, to me, was like probably the most redemptive part of it, was because, uh, so we're getting close to, to the event, getting close here, to be here for that event, and uh, so I was asking him about his transition from IHOP KC to uh, Upper Room, and then we're just about to get off the Vasco exit, when he goes, how much time we have? because <laughs> uh, he wanted to tell me the story and he goes, I'm all, we're about to be there in like two minutes and so he gave me the short story but just even just the thought for me and the, just the redemptive part of it is he's like, if we had more time he would have told me the full story mm-hmm. and like I said that might not mean nothing to you guys 
but for my awkward moments, probably not for him, but for me in the past, that meant something to me. And uh, even just that whole car ride. And so that's my, that's my Corey Russell <laughs> story. <laughs> that only Nori knew about that stuff, and now, I, now you guys know. But anyways, we got to sing that song, and I honestly, to be honest, I'd like to hear more songs about the rider on the white horse and how beautiful he is. And uh, there was uh, kind of going off, not going off topic, but is this good stuff? Is this okay? Mm-hmm. You guys good? Can I go just a little bit longer? Yeah, okay. definitely. So, um, and these things weren't even on my mind, but uh, on one, one of my morning devotionals, um, nobody was in the room. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I do it at six in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, um, I just went off into some spontaneous stuff and the whole thing about Isaiah 63, mm. the beauty of the rider on the white horse, Revelation 19, came up and it was cool. It was just this awesome moment I have with the Lord. I'm like, oh wow, God, I'm like, well, I walked away from that. Are you highlighting this? Like, for real? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll, we'll see. Um, and it was like two days later and I actually have the video on my phone. Mm-hmm. My son... I'm in my, sitting in on one of our chairs at our house, a rocking chair, and my son's by the fireplace playing. They were just blocks. You know, blocks you build, like little house structures and stuff. And they were different colors. Some of them were blue, some of them were red, some of them were yellow. And me and, I don't even know where he got, to be honest, I don't know where he got this from, maybe from my mom. I'm not sure who's our, who's our main babysitter. Um, but he's playing with the blocks, and I'm sitting there, and he's behind me, and all of a sudden I hear him talking about, I'm the king of the Jews. And he's got <laughs> one block knocking down these other blocks. Whoa. And, and victoriously. I'm like, <laughs> I go, what? I go, Which one's Jesus? And he holds up the red block. Whoa. He holds up the red block. Wow. I was like, I'm like, I have to get this on video. <laughs> and so I'm like, what? Anyway, so I have the little video of it, but I'm like, God's like, yes, I am highlighting this. Mm-hmm. So all this to say is not only do we know, need to know him in, the, in his beauty as the bridegroom, in his beauty, in his Emmanuel God with us, in his birth, in his sufferings, but also in his second coming, not only as the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, but as the judge of the earth. We have to know his beauty in that. Mm -hmm. We have to know the beauty of his apparel. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. We're just getting started. (laughs) Just kidding, so those who've been here. Just talking about um, just the beauty of the Lord and fixing the, turning our gaze upon Him and beholding Him. And go to a few scriptures that talk about His beauty. And then we'll wrap it up. There's one I found recently reading through the book of Zechariah. You can read it in context in your own time. Oh, uh, it goes like this. For how great is talking about the Messiah and his return. How, for how great is his goodness 
and how great is his beauty. And what I learned recently also is that a lot of the times when the Old Testament talks about the beauty of God, it's actually talking about Jesus. And a lot of it has to do with his return. Isaiah 33, 17, sorry, Isaiah 33, 17. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Again, you got to read, you got to read it in full in your own time, but just highlighting some of the passages. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Psalms 45, 2. You are fairer than the sons of men. Song of Psalms 5.10. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. Okay, a little commentary note on Zechariah 9.17. For how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Commentator, commentator says this, this is the matter of their triumph, but how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. This is the substance, this is the burden of the songs wherewith they shall make a noise before the Lord. We are taught to admire and appraise that amiableness of God's being. Say that again, the amiableness of God's being. How great is his beauty. All the perfections of God's nature conspire to make him infinitely lovely in the eyes of all that know him. All the perfections of God's nature conspire to make him infinitely lovely in the eyes of all that know him. And this, this sentence I really felt that I'm about to read is, is I really felt that it was for us for those who, who dwell in the house of the Lord. <laughs> As Psalms 40, 84 would say, temple dwellers, those who dwell in the house of God. Here it is. And this is Matthew Henry, who's doing the common commentary. Our business in the temple is to behold the beauty of the Lord. And how great is that beauty? Amen? Amen. Come on. This is for you temple, temple dwellers. Amen. This is for... So good. This is for the temple dwellers. Yes, amen. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying it kind of funny. That feel... mm -hmm. Can you say it with me? Mm -hmm. Together. Our business... Our business... In the temple... In the temple... Is to behold the beauty of the Lord. Is to behold the beauty of the Lord. And how great is that beauty? And how great is that beauty? All right, just one more time. Our business, our business in the temple, in the temple, is to behold the beauty of the Lord. Is to behold the beauty of the Lord. Let's say it again. I'm sorry, I have to. Mm -hmm. Our business. We don't. Have, you don't have to say it with me, but I'm just gonna say it again. Our business, in the temple is to behold the beauty of the Lord. And he references Psalm 27.4 in his commentary on Zechariah 9.17. 9, 
So not only is it our duty, all it's to say is, not only is it our duty to pray, not only is it our duty to serve in the house of the Lord, but to behold his beauty in, in, in adoration, not out of, like I said before, just a spiritual checklist, oh, I did it, but, in, but out, of, uh, out of love, mm-hmm. out, of, out of just sheer spiritual pleasure. Mm-hmm. How far does it transcend all other beauties, particularly the beauty of holiness? And then he goes on and references Isaiah 33, 17. They will see the king in his beauty. The king that cometh, who is fairer than the children of men, the fairest of 10,000, and altogether lovely. Though in the eye of the world he had no form or, or comeliness, but in the eye of faith, how great is his beauty. I'm going to end it with this. With an eye of faith and holy love. <laughs> okay, here comes. Sorry. I'm getting rocked. I don't know if you guys are getting, I'm getting rocked by this. I hope you all getting rocked by this. I know we took a while to get to this point. And a little, few little hiccups along the way. But this is what I came to speak tonight. This, was, this is what the Lord put on my heart. And this is what I, honestly what I feel like he's highlighting. So let me say the first part again. If you haven't got it yet. Our business in the temple is to behold the beauty of the Lord. And how great is that beauty? With an eye of faith and holy love, we with pleasure behold this beauty and observe more and more in it that amiable, oh, in it that is amiable and admirable. When with the fixedness of thought, I'm like, who wrote this? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. As I'm reading this, I'm like, who wrote this? Like, as I was reading this earlier this week on my phone while I'm at work, I'm like, I have to say this stuff. 